This is Naked by the Future Farm, where entrepreneurship is stripped to its vulnerable core. Brought to you by Vladimir Brestinska and Nectarios Lolios. And remember to subscribe, follow and rate Naked to help us share it with the world. Hi, Vladi. Hey, Nectarios. How are you? What? Good. I'm recovered. As I told you before we started recording, I had a, my usual digestive issues of Pakistan, um, but I'm feeling better. It's a moment where one really appreciates, you know, how it is when you are just okay, like physically and, you know, your health is sorted. So, yeah, I sweated it out yesterday, but I'm feeling much better and the energy is high today. It's funny how because yeah. oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm actually good. Um Last weekend is always the date in the calendar that I dread because the clocks go back, which means that mm, true. Uh, from today or from yesterday, it starts getting dark at about 5 p.m. and then earlier and earlier, which in London on a, on a misty day is really not very pleasant. Mm, But I'm okay. I feel you. Um, <laughs> when, when I talk to you in Pakistan, it's funny when you work from these co-working spaces. So there's one co-working space, we've got this bright yellow background. And today you've got this really colorful background. So it's kind of nice to have this flash yeah, of it's, color. It's, it's the same, yeah, it's the same um, co-work, just different floors. But you're right. People recognize it. We can maybe do a picture so people can see where <laughs> we are. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So in Karachi, just locating ourselves, our usual, right? So um, for myself, Karachi, we keep flying around the country um, in the on the hours in the change. So Pakistan doesn't get sort of affected. So no change over here. Um, it is it is in some way sort of odd because it still feels like heavy summer over here we get mm -hmm. 30s you know 30 degrees and things um and then you call back home and it's like sort of darkish and snow it's actually in slovakia it started snowing in the mountains area Seriously? so <laughs> yes so yeah it's a different world in mm. in all aspects mm. so let's talk let's talk about yeah. laura Yes. So maybe I was just thinking there might be people who listen to us on extra mm. who maybe don't listen to the whole episode. So do you want to give just like one or two sentences about the episode and then we sort of go into our own reflections and, and takeaways? Sure. Um, so Laura Shuk Guzman um, is a U.S. American psychotherapist with a specialization on trauma and familial conflict. And we talked a lot about trauma. We talked about how trauma affects our lives, how trauma can be experienced in a way that the body stores it. And then we start experiencing physical problems rather than mental problems um, and um, ways to recognize it, ways to uh, address it. And she talked a lot about her own experience as well. And it was kind of, yeah, I mean, there was this really mm. tender moment where she said, look, I don't talk about myself much. So she shared her own traumatic experience and this dissonance uh, between knowing what to look for, but then not connecting the dots when it came to herself. Um, yeah, it was a very yeah. rich episode. And it was a little bit different in an episode because we talked to her as an entrepreneur, but we also talked to her as a specialist, which always takes a slightly different angle because it's not just about their own journey, but it's also about what they experience when they deal with entrepreneurs and founders. Um, and and since we, we make this big effort 
to focus on the signals because we want people who go through this to become aware that the body and the mind is sending signs. It was it was kind of good to talk about the the fact that signals can very often be body signals. Mm-hmm. What yeah. did you take no, out of it? What do you remember? Even the last thing that you that you mentioned, which is the somatic physical experience, um, I think that's a that, that was a big part in terms of that the trauma gets stored stored in our bodies. There is actually the book that we even reference on the podcast, uh, "Body Keeps the Score," which actually sort of highlights and, and describes the whole the whole point. Um, and I think for me it was. You know, like I, I was generally, I've been over the years really sort of curious about understanding the traumatic experiences. I sort of related it, and I think I said it on the show, is that my sort of connection was with people who are veterans, so who come from a war zones, return back to their life. They are suffering from the PTSD, the post-traumatic disorder syndrome, and and that sort of was my entry to learning about trauma. And I think what I loved about the, the conversation with Laura was that we broaden up the understanding of the fact that actually so many of us can like have can or sort of what's the right word to say? Like we could have experienced trauma in our lives. And I think this is where also the developmental developmental trauma comes in. That which means basically that somewhere in our developing years in the childhoods, let's say we've been deprived of love or there was a, some sort of a traumatic experience that shapes how we show up and act and feel mm-hmm. later in life. So I think, you know, m- sort of making this point sort of summary of it is that for me, expanding the understanding of that it, this trauma doesn't necessarily have to be rooted to a car accident or mm-hmm. being in a war zone. It can very much be linked to how what you experienced as as a child, as you know, in your formating years. So that was a big one for me. Um, and she does talk a lot about it, right? She also talks about um, uh, there's a lot of abuse um, scenarios that lead to this in in early childhood, right? But it all comes. I mean, the key point in all of this is that something happens when you're younger. And then you just store it without knowing that this is happening. And then it expresses, Mm. manifests itself in different ways because that's the only, and she talks a lot about this different mechanisms when you're, when you feel threatened, when it's a life or death situation, uh, which is what the veterans bring back, right? It's the fight, flight, or freeze. Freeze. And, and this freeze reaction, right? When people talk to abuse victims, uh, why did you not do something? It's because that's how you know how to operate. It's you freeze. Mm. You don't know. And, and, uh, and kind of when you start thinking about this and start digging inside and you look at your own experiences and your own reactions to situations, um, you can recognize sometimes that your responses are either fight, flight, or freeze. hundred um, percent. And I think we are sort of, I know that we both are in a space that we, I guess, feel safe that we want to share a little bit from our own journeys. And, um, but before we go there, I think the piece around the, the, the fact that, you know, for people like myself, and I'm sure there are a lot of us out there who are a lot in our minds. So for me to hear that, you know, your mind wants to resolve this in some way. So it pushes through, right. It's like, yeah, you can do this. 
but the body doesn't allow you. Mm. That's when, you know, it kicks in. And, and, and Laura was really beautifully talking about it is that when the tiredness and the fatigue comes in, the, all the signals, your body lets you know, although your mind wants you to, you know, run the sprint. So I think that that was important one for me to sort of realize and kind of recognize and remember. Um, so, yes, I would. <laughs> I I actually I'm thinking like yes I know and I see you want to ask me I guess about the experience but um do you want to start maybe in, in sure, sort of sure. like how did you relate to this to your own journey and what it I showed was, you I, I was always curious about the somatic mm. experience I was curious about what your body does that your mind doesn't necessarily want to allow to happen but the body does it anyway and for me the interesting thing is that I've always talked kind of casually to people that I don't like shouting. I don't like singing in public. I've never done karaoke. So I had always this, this <clears throat> excuse me, always this reluctance to, to use my, my voice, my throat, my chest. Um, and I mentioned this to my, to my therapist a while ago and said, like, sometimes I get so angry that I want to shout, but I really can't bring myself to shout. And she said, well, why don't we just do this exploration? Um, and and this exploration was ultimately a way of a sort of guided meditation where I just closed my eyes and she talked me through just experiencing my body. Mm -hmm. And she told me beforehand that whenever I feel something's responding just by acknowledging parts of your body, that I should stay with it. And the interesting thing was that because we started at the bottom of the feet and you sort of move up, I was okay for most of the time. But as things started getting closer to my chest, I started feeling really uncomfortable. And when it came to my throat, I had the sensation like somebody's, like I swallowed razor blades. It was really unbelievably painful. Mm. And there's this disconnect because that moment your brain or my brain goes, no, I'm the rational person. This can't be happening. This is all boo-boo and mumbo-jumbo. At the same time, it was painful. <clears throat> And um, and we stayed with it, and, and there's a lot more I can talk about this. But the interesting thing for me afterwards was that when I tried to remember when I experienced kind of problems with my with my throat, um, when I lived in Australia towards the end of well, for most part of 2010, I had a chest infection. I tried everything. I could barely talk. Uh, I had cough all the time. I did acupuncture in my in my <clears throat> in my neck and it was all painful stuff and try Chinese medicine. I tell you everything, right? Um, what I didn't realize is I was going through a really, really un but terrible separation. Work was horrible. I was really low, but I didn't connect the two. And then like a mm -hmm. month, a month after my last treatment, I sort of gave up. Uh, I broke up a relationship of seven years and it all disappeared. Like literally my chest infection and in inverted commas disappeared overnight. Now, I didn't even think much of it. And then you fast forward 10 years and I'm doing this with my therapist. I'm thinking, Jesus, so this is what was happening. So all the pain and everything else that was happening in my life was, was being expressed through the one part of my body where there is something that I still don't know what caused it. But mm -hmm. that's where it stays. So I don't like, mm -hmm. still don't like raising my voice or speaking up in that manner. Anyway, mm. I'm sharing this because this was my experience where your body is telling you something and your brain doesn't allow this to come through. But now that I know that this is a weak spot, I'm much more aware that if I realize something's happening around here or there's a mm -hmm. heaviness around, 
around my, my chest, my throat, my neck, then I pay a lot more attention to myself, not just this part, but the overall thing. And you go, oh, maybe maybe I'm a little bit too stressed. And my voice is a mm. bit hoarse because I still had mm. this cold for last month, which coincided with me being really busy. Um, so, <laughs> Thanks for sharing. I mean, um, I am curious, but maybe that's for a different recording, whether you know you are on a journey to explore, like why, why is it that this part of your body is the place that gives you the signal, right? I think just connecting it with the work that we did with Laura is, or Laura, it's that she does look in that root cause. And so I think there was something, I, I totally hear you on that that place. It's nearly like a safe space in some way now to, to give you that signal. So you can, it just, you know, right? You go, you go back to it. It's like, okay, now something is happening. I'm listening. I'm listening to you. I wonder... Yeah, so we, we, why she she mm. asked my therapist asked me if I wanted to try mm -hmm. and open that door and mm -hmm. I wasn't it wasn't the right mm. the right time for me. I hear you, I hear you, and thanks for saying that. You know, because I think often we feel like we have to open all the boxes and open mm. all the doors, and and we we know from our own therapies that that's not true as well. Um, so I wanted to sort of share my personal experience and you know with what we've been discussing with Laura and and it's interesting that both of us sort of have it from a very sort of a different angle really so as I was re-listening really today in the morning to episodes of, to prepare for the extra um, I was thinking about that connection because our overall theme in Naked and Future Farm is about the connection of entrepreneurship and mental health. So I was thinking about what have we learned and opened up there in our conversation about, okay, what trauma means for entrepreneurs and how it shows up, right? And there was this one example, which Laura talked about where she said, well, you show up as a co-founder in your relationship and you might be angry, etc., etc., And because somebody, you know, pushes some of your buttons. And as I was listening to it, I was sort of thinking about how do I show up? Like, is there something, you know, from my past that impacts how I show up in my current relationships as an entrepreneur? And there was this one thing, it wasn't super easy for me to even like sort of go there, but I was like, mm -hmm. I do want to share it because it, it actually happened just a few days ago. So it, it's related to our business in Pakistan. So for the context, so I have two co-founders and we're building this um, digital banking platform for Pakistan. We are in the phase of raising funding. So we are building our pitch deck, the presentation for investors. And there is this slide that is about the team. And we are there, we have our founding team and we are three founders. And below the founder, there's this sort of specification of your role. Simple as that. So my co-founders have a sort of a heavy focused on the business area, such as strategy, business development, finance, you know, the heavy thing we say, the business thing. And then for under my name and under my sort of founder role, I wrote it, which was organization, people, and impact. All the things I love, all the things are crucial to the success of the business. I can 100% rationalize it. But if I describe to you what I was going through emotionally, which is completely like mad, um, I spent probably like hour 
playing with how can I bring something more businessy into my role? And then I was like looking at myself and I was like, hey, you crazy. What are you doing? Right. Like, so I want to make a point here is that I then even had a conversation with my co-founders because we have that safe space about that. Hey, like, you know, where is this coming from? I do know that, you know, I have a natural curiosity about sort of learning also how to build a business and everything that we describe. So that comes from a healthy place. But then I started digging deeper. And I remember, you know, in my own personal journey is that when I decided to go on the journey of studying human rights and going to the sort of softer space that is seen as a softer, Mm. I remember how difficult it was for me to share this with my close environment and with my family, particularly with my dad. Uh, And I got a lot of shit for it. I come from a family of engineers and literally there was this language, you know, around like, what is this soft stuff? Like, what are you going to do with it in life? And I did, did push through and, and, and I'm, and I'm glad I did, but it's got stuck with me. It got stuck with me into the moments where I often in my relationship as with my co-founders and in my business building, I still sometimes come with the space of, or from a space of weakness that I feel like, you know, as if, hey, this doesn't feel right. Or do I have to have a more sort of strength and, and business around myself to justify my place in here? So this is something that I sort of, I'm aware of, I work with it in my therapy. Um, I think it's like, as Laura was saying that her golden child still shows up once in a while. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that, you know, there is that, would I call it a traumatic experience? I, I don't know. Right. Because this is something that for me was like a takeaway, like, Hey, trauma doesn't have to be a car accident, but it was certainly something that shaped my view on what seems to be worthy and valued and recognized as if your role in the business, and it still does impact me sometimes, you know, these days as if two days ago, and, you know, you play with the deck and your role within it. And after all, you clean it up and, 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 and you center, reconnect, and it feels all good. But yeah, that that's, just wanted to put it out there that we also have our own ways of experiencing this. It it sounds like it's interesting, right? Because you you talk about it in quite a rational way, but at the same mm. time you can feel the pain that that conversation with your dad and that because you sound defensive about it, right? There's an element of defensiveness, okay. right? Um, sure. But I think mm. it's it's also. Um, because one of the things we like to talk about is identity, right? So somebody questioning your choice to do yes. something that you care about is somebody questioning your values and what you would like your identity to be, right? 100%. So I can totally see how this, when you have this as a young person who's making choices about their path, uh, reflected choices about the path and, and a, a person of authority says, what, what, what the hell are you doing? I would feel this. I mean, to me, that, that sounds like quite a deep, deep memory, deep experience, something you store somewhere and you mm. don't deal with for a while. Yeah. I, I, the reason for me sort of to also why I wanted to bring it up here is that 
I was looking back on that moment with the deck, right? With the presentation is like, why, where is this coming from? And I felt very much okay with that curiosity of me more more wanting to learn more about business building and having exposure and and I have my product around gender, et cetera. So that's all good. But I felt also that little Vladi there that was driving that rewriting of my role because I wanted to be more accepted and seen as if, hey, I'm also the business person. I'm not the softy. And that's the place that I certainly want to work on. Like that's the place that, yeah, it just doesn't feel okay and good. So, you know, we all have lots to work on but <laughs> in, in a strange this way resonates with some of you yeah and and i don't want it to diminish at all what you just said but it did remind mm. me a little bit you know every time a workman comes into my flat like mm-hmm. the plumber or the i try to sound a little bit more street because oh, i hear you and there's not you know? by the way you have, you know, we <laughs> laugh but what you said is actually pretty deep man yeah so it's yeah. also a question yeah yeah when you, Jesus, it could be a whole whole session. But oh, what are the things I feel insecure about? <laughs> yeah, or traumatic. But um, again, I think you know, if you guys are curious about the somatic experience, because maybe connecting the dots. So how I experienced this. So I actually explored similar to Unitaries with my therapist, this somatic experience. Right. And, and, and Sarah, my therapist, she said like, Hey, let's explore this relationship with your parents. And, and she was like, stand in here, physically stand and imagine there is, there are your parents and you tell them this and that, and you literally say it. And that was, that was heavy. That was, but at the same time, it was powerful. And I think for me to, go move from my mind to my body, to the language, to, to, you know, the vision, you literally feel it. So I felt that it was really sort of powerful experience to integrate it into my body. So I think there's so much in there. And, and actually Laura said this beautiful thing about somatic intelligence and how she believes that, you know, one day we will value it equally as we do emotional intelligence and IQ. Um, and I was like, yes, man, that's a woman. You know, it's like, that, that's uh, I think there is something in there that we still, as, as people sort of just like touching the surface and we, we don't really understand. Um, maybe it's also worth mentioning that when she brought her own example about her own mm-hmm. experience, just to give context of what trauma can mean, uh, she talked about how she lost her brother in a car accident. So the accident, she wasn't involved in the accident. She just, she was the sibling at home who got, was the first person to hear about it. And she was, I think, 12. So there is also something there that uh, when we think about these life events, very much as you said, Vladi, which it doesn't have to be uh, a war experience or abuse as a child, um, that grief that she uh, mentioned and that period of not being old enough to be able to process things intellectually, let alone uh, beyond that, um, that also triggered off a lot of things because this is where she was saying that she was trying to do something and she wasn't, she didn't feel like she was good enough for the job. Um, And as somebody who deals with the subject on a day-to-day basis, still didn't manage to connect it with the fact that because of the traumatic experience in her life, 
she had this, I have to be perfect thing because everybody kept telling her, you need to be, you need to be practically the Yeah, your parents need yeah, you, yeah, right? Yeah. You, you can't cause them any harm yeah. or challenge. And I think I was actually thinking that I'm not sure, like, I don't want to overanalyze this, but I felt was that the experience, the shock about losing her brother was one thing, but actually where I felt the heaviness when she shared her story was when the people actually started telling her, Mm. Lara, this is the moment you can't disappoint your parents. They really, really need you now. And that's where she said, oh, my golden child appeared. Mm. That's when Mm. she formed her. Right. And then she carried her with herself for the whole life. And I was like, I, I, I feel you, Lara. Like, you know, yeah, it was, it it resonated. Um, So I think there is a lot in looking back, trying to understand I think Nectarius, however, as you said it at the beginning, that sometimes we might not feel ready for opening up some of the doors and windows. And I think that's okay as well. So I just don't want to also create this pressure, like for everybody now, we have to go into our past and and open all the, yeah. For me, the the episode was really all about signals. It was Mm. very much about, look, stuff's going on in your body and in your mind. And just be aware that there might be something that happened when you were younger that you don't even let come through yet, but just listen to your body. And when you're ready, give it a chance and start exploring. So this was really the big lesson for me. And she was just illustrating, or we were illustrating together how this can manifest itself. Because I really don't think that having been through these conversations on Naked, but also with the people we meet on our day-to-day, there's a lot of people who, who carry trauma, right? And it comes through in a throwaway comment um, about something that happened when they were younger or a divorce or whatever it is. And and you go, okay, just be aware of this. This might have an impact on how you respond to, to stress situations, to difficult situations, to choices. To choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about also why some people decide to go on the entrepreneurial path, right? Um, having that sort of clarity. Um, so it comes from a good place and, mm. and yeah, we are not trying to, let's say, compensate or solve for something that actually will never be solved by, you know, the, the life path we choose. Uh, there was this one thing sort of turning the pages a little bit, hopefully this is not too heavy for you guys, but I think, you know, there was, there was this need that we both have or had um, to want to share. Um, but it's, so turning the page, um, Laura said that when she gets out of the therapy, out of the room, out of her session where she has the role of a therapist, um, she feels Zen because she's actually practicing some of the, let's say, centering practices or she meditates with the person. My therapist is with me as well. And I was like, this is really lovely, right? She meditates with me. Um, and we had this session last week with one of the communities, uh, communities of entrepreneurs, and we were leading this session, Nectarius, together. And we were holding the space for the founders to also open up and explore their sort of stressors and energizers. And 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 I came out of the session like I was joyful that it happened and we sort of it seemed like we had sort of created value for them, but I was exhausted. And I even made a sort of like a small post about it in terms of like, by the way, you know, when I pose and that we have all those sessions and we have those mental health conversations and we hold a space, 
I do enjoy it, but it's also heavy stuff. Like it's exhausting. So I just frankly wanted to just check in with you. Like, how do you also have this, right? When we have those conversations and one, one last thought is that sometimes my friends even tell me like, oh, I'm listening to Naked and, you know, our particularly our guest episodes and, and it's like, it adds value, but it's also heavy. So I have to create this special moment for it that I'm sort of in the right space and place of body and mind and soul to be able to really digest it and enjoy it. So how do you have this? Um, <clears throat> I can totally relate to the, to what you just described last week was draining and I've been thinking about this and this part of it is for me it's because we had to deal with a lot of people's different experiences it's mm. easier when you have like an hour with a person and you can sort of jointly just allow something to emerge and you create the space and the time but you also have the opportunity to kind of close it and wrap up and and leave the room in a different place uh, it's another one when you have an hour and a half with 30 people who all have their own stories. And you need to sort of tap into one, every individual's frame of mind. So for me, I find this exhausting. Um, the other thing is, and this is something that as, as the, the COVID restrictions are slowly lifted, the, there is also a difference in being in the same room, physically in the same room with somebody where you can actually turn into the energy of somebody and, and feed of it. And there's another one where you do this on Zoom, where you also feel, I feel always quite helpless because mm -hmm. there's this artificiality, especially creating an environment where people start talking about, like one of the people on the room True. Saying, look, Not easy. I don't think I'm good enough yeah. to lead my company, right? And you go, okay, what, what do we do there? So there was an element of, yeah, I'm exhausted also because of the tools that we use and because we're dealing with a group. But mm. some of the guest episodes, absolutely. I mean, afterwards, mm. I, I needed to just take a walk exactly it reminded me what sarah and i keep referring her i might actually even include her in our reference for points for you guys because actually I, I do my therapy online and she sits in brighton and she's wonderful so why not i'll just share the resource you might enjoy her but this is no commercial agreement or partnership <laughs> just joking um so she she does tell me before and after therapy to not do anything really intense in the mind and body and just take it easy. And at first I was just like, yeah, okay. You know, you sort of hear, listen, listen in, but then you let go. And I, then I started really practicing it because there wasn't really other way. I was just exhausted. And, and mm -hmm. I think some of those experiences, guys, whether, you know, Nick Harris and I are holding the space for other founders, but you might be experiencing something else. Maybe you have an investor pitch or you have a difficult conversation with your team or co-founders. Also take it easy on you. Give yourself, if you can, create maybe even, you know, 15 minutes before just to center yourself, go through your thoughts and equally after, these are not easy things to do. Um, so I might just take a small walk after this call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything Wonderful. else you want to add, Nectarius? No, I think I think we can talk about good, this a lot right? also. This is an episode where we share a lot about ourselves and how we think and feel, but it's good. It's good. No, we're fine. Awesome. So keep well, everybody. We'll share some good resources with you in the notes and have a lovely day wherever you are. Thank you. You've been listening to Naked by the Future Farm. 
where entrepreneurship is stripped to its vulnerable core. To learn more about our work, sign up to our newsletter or visit thefuturefarm.co, where you can also apply to be a Naked guest. Naked is produced by Dan Turgill and edited by Catherine Walker. And remember, subscribe, follow and rate Naked to help share it with the world.